Welcome to the Lessons for Living television program. My name is Bill Santos. Thank you so much for watching. More than 50 years ago, Barry Manilow wrote the State Farm jingle, just like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Now, I'm not a client of State Farm, so I have no idea whether or not they are good neighbors. But let me ask you, are you a good neighbor? You know, Jesus told a story that may be the most famous story ever told. It is the story of the Good Samaritan. It begins with a lawyer asking a seemingly good question, but with a bad motive. Let's go to Luke chapter 10, beginning at verse 25. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him into the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now, it seems like a good question, but it really is a flawed question because what can anyone do to inherit anything? It's, by its very nature, inheritance is a gift, a gift from one family member or a friend to another. If you are born into a family, you don't have to do anything to inherit anything. Inheritance is not a payment for services rendered. This lawyer knows that. So why is he even asking the question? We are told that he is doing this to test Jesus. The question is a test, a, a trap. Contrary to what it seemed as if Jesus had been teaching, this man wanted to know if just by trying to keep the law as best as he could, could he earn a relationship with God? And we've all encountered people who ask questions they really don't want an answer to, but they just want to get into a debate. The Pharisees never understood that Jesus never takes a test. He always gives the test. Instead of answering the lawyer's question, he lets him answer it. Luke 10, beginning at verse 26. You're a lawyer. You're an expert on the law. So tell me, what does the law say? What said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. The lawyer now realizes that he had fallen into a trap set for himself. Verses 28 and 29. And he said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? 
Jesus had said, in effect, you love God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength and you love your neighbor and you do both of those things every waking moment of every day and the rest of your life and you're good to go. Loving God was one thing, but loving your neighbor is something else. Well, the lawyer puts a break on everything and says, whoa, hang on a minute, who is my neighbor? Like any good lawyer, he is looking for a loophole. His question assumes that there are two categories of people, neighbors and non-neighbors. And as a good first century Jew, he expects Jesus to give him a Christmas list of neighbors. You know, it would be a list that includes, you know, Pharisees, baby Sadducees, certainly synagogue and temple attending Jews, but not the Gentiles and certainly not the Samaritans. He assumed the answer would be your neighbors are people who are just like you. But what does Jesus do? He did something that I think probably drove his listeners nuts at times. He tells another story. You see, Jesus had this maddening habit of answering questions by telling stories. And what you're about to hear is probably the most shocking story he ever told. The Jericho Road is some 27 kilometers long. It drops from Jerusalem which is 2,700 feet above sea level to Jericho, which is some 800 feet below sea level. In other words, that, that row drops almost a football field every mile. It is desert land, and there are bandits and robbers who roam this area. Back in the day, it was such a dangerous road, I believe it was called the Way of the Blood. It was one of the most crime-ridden areas in all of Israel. Bible scholars estimate that there were at least 12,000 thieves that roamed that Judean wilderness between Jerusalem and Jericho. So Jesus tells about a victim robbed, beaten, and literally left half dead. There is a lot we don't know about this man, but there is one thing we do know about him. He is a man in need. You know the old saying, a friend in need is a friend indeed. As Jesus tells this story, he shows us how there are only two ways we will always respond to people who are in need. We will either rationalize the situation in our mind or we will respond with our heart. The story naturally breaks up into two parts. Here is part one, Luke 10 Verses 31 and 32. Now, by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. The temple was served by three classes of people, priests, Levites, and lay people. The priest evidently had been to temple to serve and was on his way back to, down the mountain to Jericho where many of the priests lived. They would go to Jerusalem for a two-week assignment, then return to their homes in Jericho because it was more of a coastal climate where the fruit and vegetables were abundant. Immediately, optimism rises 
because this man is a priest. He is a holy man, a righteous man, a religious man. I mean, surely he will be the first one to help. But the story says the moment he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Why? Well, the priest had a special problem. This man was unconscious. He was naked. Now, if he were a fellow Jew, and especially a law-abiding Jew, the priest would have been obligated to help him. But the man was naked, unconscious. There was no way to tell whether he was a Jew or a Gentile. Furthermore, the wounded man could have been dead. And if he was a priest, and if he had touched him, he would have become ceremonially defiled. He'd have to go back to Jerusalem and undergo a week-long process of ceremonial cleansing. He would be away with it from his family without any explanation, would be quarantined from everybody else. In addition, what if the robbers were in the area still? The priest too might be robbed. Since discretion is the better part of valor, it might be better just to go on my way. At least he thinks. Then a Levite comes by. Now a Levite was a royal blue blood. He belonged to the tribe of Levi and was an assistant to the priest. In fact, there is a probability he was an assistant to this particular priest. Now maybe knowing that the priest had passed by and had done nothing, he felt in his mind, well, since the priest didn't do anything, maybe he knows something I don't know and neither should I do anything. Since he didn't get involved, why should I get involved? In reality, we are not told why these men passed by on the other side, but somehow they were able to rationalize in their mind to cross over to the other side. Amazingly, the two people that you would have bet everything you had, would have that would have stopped to help this man, they didn't. The religious people, the people who had just left church passed by on the other side because they didn't want to get involved. Now, Jesus very subtly illustrates something about this priest and this Levite. He shows they were really no better than the thieves who beat and robbed this man and left him for dead. You see, you can be a thief in one of two ways. You can take something that doesn't belong to you or you can keep something that belongs to someone else. You know, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 27. If we just jump over there for a second, look at what it says. Proverbs 3, 27 says, Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. And then James chapter 4, in verse 17. Look at what it says there. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. The problem with both the priest and the Levite is not what they did. Well, they didn't beat the man up. They didn't rob him. The problem was not what they did, but what they didn't do. The priest and the Levite were bad neighbors because they refused to be good neighbors. You see, when we begin to rationalize with our mind why we shouldn't get involved and why we shouldn't help and why we should not be a friend indeed to a friend in need, 
do you know what we will do? We'll pass by on the other side. There is one other way that you can react to a person in need. For those in the crowd that were listening to the story, there was still hope. The priest had failed. The Levite had failed. But there are still a lot of great Jewish people out there. Surely there is a good Jew in this story that will come along and help. Surely Jesus is going to tell the story about how a good Jew rescued a wounded Samaritan. But when they heard the next words out of Jesus' mouth, the people gasped. Luke 10, verse 33. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. No class or race of people was hated more by the Jewish people than the Samaritans. The Samaritans were publicly cursed in the synagogue. They were excluded from temple worship. Prayers would be offered every day, begging to God to keep them out of heaven. It's a long story as to why they were hated so much, but, but suffice it to say, it was all pure racism. If you really wanted to insult a person or insult a Jew 2,000 years ago, all you had to do was call him a Samaritan. That is why some Jews said to Jesus in uh, John chapter 8, verse uh, 48, the following. Are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? So imagine how this lawyer and his buddies are feeling as they continue to listen to this maddening story. Luke chapter 10, verse 34 and 35. He went to him, bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. What this Samaritan does is nothing short of amazing. He uses all of his available resources, oil, wine, his own personal clothing, his own animal, his time, his energy, his money. He gives everything he has so that this man can have the best care possible. He then risks his own life by taking this wounded man to an inn in a Jewish territory. You could not have blamed this Samaritan if he had just dumped him at the edge of town and then rode off. Because after all, what would you think if you saw a Samaritan bringing a beaten up, wounded, naked Jewish man on his donkey? Even if he was innocent, he could still legally be held responsible. To top it off, the Samaritan gives the man enough money to cover all his food and lodging for three weeks, then promises to come back and pay anything else that the man owes. This is important because any person who could not pay their bill could be sold as a slave by the innkeepers in order for them to get full payment for a debt. The crowd is about to fall out already when Jesus drives the knife in all the way to the hilt. He looks at the lawyer, and in verse 36 he says, 
Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? The answer also almost gagged this lawyer. He can't even bring himself to call him a Samaritan. He says, the one who showed him mercy, verse 37. To which Jesus calmly, but with a smile on his face, replied, you go and do likewise. You see, the tables have been totally turned. The lawyer had asked the wrong question. The question is not, who is my neighbor? Well, that assumes that there are certain people who are never neighbors. The question is, am I a good neighbor? There's a reason why the victim in this story was not just beaten and unconscious and robbed, but we are told specifically he was stripped naked. There was no way to identify the race or ethnicity of this man. There was no way to tell whether he was Jewish or Gentile because it didn't matter who he was. We are neighbors to all who are needy. Being a neighbor has nothing to do with proximity, nationality, popularity, or ethnicity. It's all about not being greedy with people who are needy. What was it that set that Samaritan apart from the priest and the Levite? If you notice, we are told in verse 31, the priest saw him and passed by. And in verse 32, we are told the Levites saw him and passed by. And in verse 33, we are told a Samaritan saw him and had compassion. What made this Samaritan so special was not the color of his skin, but the compassion in his heart. No law will ever make you a good neighbor, but real love can't keep you from being a good neighbor. Three men walked by a man that day. Two, two of them saw a nuisance. One man saw a need. Are you a good neighbor? I can tell you whether or not you are if you are, for example, constantly asking this one question, why should I get involved? You see, that's the question we ask when, when we want to rationalize with our mind. The question that a good neighbor asks is, how can I help? That's when we respond with our hearts. I hope you know who the real good Samaritan is in this story. It's Jesus. You see, there was a man who traveled that Jericho road. He wasn't going away from Jerusalem, but he was going towards Jerusalem. He did it with a cross on his back. And just like that Samaritan, he came to all of us sinners who the world, the flesh, the, the devil has beaten and robbed and left for dead and totally naked and gave us everything, everything he could give, expecting nothing in return. Just like a good neighbor, Jesus is there 
which makes the final point of this story so pointed. You know, it was during the wintertime in Europe, in Europe, snow was about a foot deep. A man was working in a shoe store. He noticed a barefoot little boy outside the baker shop next door to that shoe store. He was trying to keep warm by standing on a grate that was blowing out hot air. Here was this shoe store owner surrounded by all these shoes, and here was a baker with all those pastries. And both are watching this hungry, barefoot boy standing outside in the snow. Out of the blue, a little lady walks by. She bends down, speaks some kind words to the child, brings him into the shoe store, and buys him some brand new shoes and socks. She then takes him across the street and buys him some pastries and some hot chocolate. As she begins to leave, the little boy looks at that lady and says, Are you God's wife? She said, no, son, I'm just one of his children. He smiled and he said, well, I knew you must be kin to him somehow. Which side are you on? Which side am I on? If we are like Jesus, then we will always be on the side of the needy, just like a good neighbor. Let's pray. Our gracious God, our loving Heavenly Father, we thank you that in your love and in your mercy, you extended compassion to each one of us, taking upon yourself a cross that we might live eternally one day. Father, I pray that as we contemplate what you have done for us, your Holy Spirit may activate that flame of love in our hearts, that we may love you with all our heart and mind and soul, and we may love our neighbors as ourselves. May we see those in need as friends indeed, and may we show compassion and love, not rationalizing to step by on the other side. Forgive us where we have failed you, but bless us and forgive us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we've come to that time in our program that we refer to as our book offer. On each and every broadcast, we like to make available to our viewers a resource, a, a tool to be part of your spiritual library. Today we have a wonderful little book. It is called God's Truth Can Change Your Life. It is written by a friend of ours, a gentleman by the name of Dr. George Knight. I know you're really going to enjoy this book. We'd love to send it to you as a gift from Lessons for Living Television. There is no obligation whatsoever on your part. You will never receive an invoice for this book. Uh, the book, uh, should you request it, will arrive in your home by mail, postage paid, no obligation whatsoever on your part. If you are interested in requesting George Knight's God's Truth Can Change Your Life, pay close attention to the information you're about to receive.
To receive today's free offer, you can log on to the Lessons for Living television website, www.l4ltv.com, www.l4ltv.com. You can also write us at Post Office Box 27030, Simcoe Conlon Post Office, Oshawa, Ontario, L1G 0A3. That's Post Office Box 27030, Simcoe Conlon Post Office, Oshawa, Ontario, L1G 0A3. If you live in Canada, this offer will be sent out to you free and postage paid. For viewers living outside of Canada, shipping charges will apply. If you wish, you could order this offer by calling our 1-800 number and speaking with one of our volunteers at 1-800-972-0337. 1-800-972-0337. Well, we've come to the end of another Lessons for Living television program. Thank you so much for watching. I want to encourage you to let your friends and family know about our program so that they too can join us next time. Now, if they happen to live outside of the geographical area where our program is broadcast, that's okay. What you can do is refer them to our website, l4ltv.com. On the website, under the previous programs tab, every program we have ever aired is accessible there. They can have access to every single one of them. They can watch them at their leisure. While on the website, check out the tab that says Archived Sermons. You'll find some interesting messages there that I did live in different locations, tackling some perplexing questions. Why do bad things happen to good people? Who or what is 666? And so check those out. There's a video presentation and then there's a PDF file that you can download. It's like a study guide, a study help that you can have as a resource to, so that you will continue to study those topics and learn more about them. You can also visit the tab that says Donate Today. You can make a donation if you feel so impressed to do that. We receive donations by credit card, uh, Interact Debit. You can just mail a check if you like. We are a charitable organization, so that means that every dollar that is sent to us is uh, eligible for a receipt that you can utilize when income tax time comes along. My family and I receive none of that money. All of the money that comes into the ministry gets reinvested into paying for the studio that we're in right now. It pays for the airtime on the network that you're watching us on. Uh, it pays for the, the offers, the books that we offer, the postage, you know, the office expenses, paper, you know, ink for the printer, those kinds of things. None of it comes to me or my family in any kind of a benefit. I just want you to know that couple other things before we go. Hey, follow me on Instagram, Santos underscore Bill, every morning, 6.30 a.m. Eastern Time. I put out a one-minute devotional video. Many people tell me that's how they start their day. They grab their cup of coffee, they watch that one-minute devotional, and it gets them right at the beginning of the day focused on things of heaven. Check that out. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Like our Facebook page. Subscribe to our SoundCloud page. You can download an audio version of all of our programs. You can carry that with you. Listen to the program at your convenience. Follow me on Twitter. Just before we go in the final seconds, I want to remind you also of Mission Now Canada. Mission Now Canada is the part of our ministry that does overseas humanitarian work. 
And we have a website, missionnowcanada.com. Check that out. You will see where we have been in the past and what our plans are going forward for our next mission trip. Maybe you can join us. If you've never been on one of those or if you've never sent, you know, one of your kids on it, I'll tell you, it sounds cliche, but it can be a life-changing experience. Check that out, missionnowcanada.com. If you are unable to join us, but you'd like to support those efforts through a donation, you can do that also on the missionnowcanada.com website. We are all out of time. I truly appreciate these moments we spent together. Hope to do it again next time. Hope you'll be here. We'll see you then. God bless you.